This is Younger Older, a dialogue between generations. Welcome to Younger Older. And normally this is with Jason and Dave, but we've been making some very interesting deviations lately by going with uh, some other people that are younger than I am so that we keep with the theme. And we're talking about real life issues. And today again, I have Nate Brash joining me. And if you've been paying attention to Younger Older, and you can do that by going to relate365.com and download them or listen to the radio station there that we have. Um, you can you understand that we're going through a series with Nate as he goes through cancer. And, and Nate, you want to bring us up to date? Tell us what kind of cancer you have and what the treatment is right now, and uh, then we'll get into a, a little bit about what you're thinking, what God's teaching you. Absolutely. Uh, the technical kind of diagnosis is it's a goblet cell carcinoid. It acts like a, like typical colon cancer, but it's not. Okay. Uh, there's a, I've got several tumors throughout my body. Uh, just this last week, I found out there's uh, more tumors that have spread that they've been there. We just decided to find them then. Right. But uh, I've got a tumor between my large and small intestine that causes just a minor blockage. If you kind of think of a, you step on a hose a little bit, that's right. kind of what it does, yep. uh, which is what initially brought about figuring out that I have cancer. And so you thought it was just pain at first and, yep. and just, you know, I ate too many, you know, chicken legs or something. Ooh, yeah. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> it caused severe pain in the abdomen, kind of blocked me up and very, very uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, and you're young. How old are you? 36. Yeah. So the idea of cancer not striking young people is not really out there. No. They, yeah. You know, the type of cancer that I have usually don't see colon cancer until uh, you know, you're 40, 50 years old. That's usually when you go in for your colonoscopies and get screened. So uh, to find this and then see how advanced it is in somebody that's 36 is very rare. Yeah. And then, you know, given it's not uh, your typical colon cancer, but the treatment for it is they treat it just like colon cancer. So were you surprised with the diagnosis? Uh, surprised, but kind of relieved because it's, right. I have an answer. Right. Okay. Right. I know what it is. Right. You know, I can't help but wonder, as I think about your life and anybody's, if you put life in perspective, you know that, that God's given you life, and it's an appointed unto man once to die and after that judgment, correct? Correct. Okay, so you know that one day you're going to die. You know that one day I'm going to die. You know one day your children are going to die. Now, the, the thing is, we don't have any timetable on this mm -mm. for anybody. So... The idea of death again, and we've talked about this a little bit, is not a surprise. No. When it is a surprise, because we don't know when, but the idea of it isn't a surprise. So as you're going through this, the idea of death isn't surprising you. Are there any surprises going on in your mind? Are there things you're going, you know what, I didn't think about that until now, or I didn't think much about it until now? The a lot of the prep work that usually you don't do until you're much later, like getting a will set up, okay, you know, durable power of attorney, uh, you know, medical power of attorney, that sort of stuff. Yeah, uh, those are conversations that my wife and I, my parents and I were, you know, we're starting to have because you know I don't know where six months, ten months, two years is going to lead, right? And that's stuff that you know most people that are 36 years old aren't thinking about. Yeah, well, I would encourage all 36-year-olds as a guy in his 60s to think about those things. Mm -hmm. 
I have been in, in hospitals visiting young people who have no power of attorney and nobody can see them and nobody can talk to doctors. That's not a healthy position to be in. Absolutely not. So I would suggest that you go, and if you don't know what I'm talking about, if, if you're in that age bracket and you're not sure what power of attorney is, or you, know, you need to go look those things up. Mm-hmm. And uh, we realized, uh, believe it or not, Nate, when our daughters were, became adults, we wouldn't be able to make decisions or see them or do things if they wouldn't sign a paper and put us in in that category. Mm-hmm. So parents, you need to think about that as your kids get older. You still have authority when they're minors. But once they're majors or whatever they are, adults, then uh, you really need to have the right paperwork in place. Yeah. It becomes very difficult. And that, that all falls under the HIPAA Right. laws which are are very important you know, absolutely to have in place but you know, there's a lot of red tape that you have to go through when you're in the position that i'm in where you're in the hospital a lot you're going in and out of doctors you know if i get to a point where i'm incapacitated you know, somebody has to be able to make medical decisions for me and right. if that stuff is not in place it becomes very difficult yeah and my my suggestion and correct me if i'm wrong is when you don't have anything really traumatically going on in your life that's a good time to get all that stuff set up yes so that you can think rationally you're not thinking emotionally you can go through the process and you probably want someone there that you trust as you're going Mm -hmm. through it because obviously if you're uh, incapacitated of some at some point you want others to know what your wishes are and what what you said Um, I know I have a daughter that's in social work and we've had her go through the stuff that we have and something happens to us, you know, that's what she, she's done that with people. So she'll know. And, um, yeah, you know, it's funny though. I have another daughter and she doesn't want to talk about this stuff. You know what I mean? It's like, let's Mm -hmm. not talk about that. So it's, it's almost as if let's not talk about it. So it won't happen. And I'm thinking, no, it's going to happen. Well, there, it's a difficult subject to talk about. It is. Because I believe there's a lot of fear in talking about death, dying. Yeah. You know, it's a reality for everybody. You know, we can get done doing this radio program, walk outside, and... Either one of us. Either one go. of us could go. Yeah, we were talking about that earlier. You know, I'm in my 60s, you're in your 30s. You have cancer. Um, I don't, at least that I know of <laughs> at, at this point. I could still, you could still outlive me. Mm-hmm. I mean, that isn't, we don't know that end result. So what, what is God teaching you these days? And, yeah, and here's, if you haven't heard the other programs, Nate is a child of God. He knows God loves him. He's placed his trust in Jesus Christ. And no matter what happens to him on earth or when he's gone from here, it's still God that he trusts in and who's going to mm-hmm. take care of him. So in this journey, God is always faithful to teach us things. So what, what are you thinking about these days? It's other people have stepped up and have really helped my family and, and me out. Uh, anywhere from you know, making meals for us, doing laundry. Uh, a lot of the physical ailments that I have um, uh, about a week ago discovered I've got uh, two vertebrae that are fractured and then uh, a couple more tumors in another two vertebrae which was causing severe back pain for a while. And uh, that's been very debilitating. Uh, simple stuff like, you know, putting my shoes on and all, it can be very painful. Yep. Uh, just God is teaching me to really rely on other people to do certain things, which 
as a man, you know, as a husband, father, is very difficult sometimes. Right. You know, my wife, uh, bless her heart, has stepped up in so many ways, and you know, I'm truly blessed to have her as my wife. And Are you surprised at how much she can do? Yes and no. Yeah, I, I, I knew the answer was yes, <laughs> and you have to be careful saying that, but yes, I think I'm surprised. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm watching saying, boy, she's really stepping up and doing things. Yeah that um, might be difficult. We live in the North Woods, mm-hmm. and you live on kind of a farmette kind of yep. place. So there's a lot to do. I mean, oh, you have yeah. chickens. We have chickens. It, she's butchering things, I read. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, somebody gave us a, a small heifer. Yep. Uh, it was uh, it was a meat cow that just escaped, and if you know anything about cows, sometimes when they escape, there's no really bringing them back. Yeah. And uh, they wound up uh, shooting it, and they just gave us the the meat from that. Okay. So uh, my wife, you know, she went and skinned it, uh, processed it, and that's stuff that usually I would be out there doing, but I couldn't because of my back. Yep. And, you know, so she does that, uh, throwing wood in the basement for, you know, yep. getting that stuff going. A lot of stuff that I would be doing, and it's, uh, you know, as the man of the house and the, you know, the husband is stuff that oh, I should be able to do this. And yeah. it's very humbling to to see my wife really step up and do that. And you know, it's hard to sit back and see that. Yeah, you know, again, that's just, it's like God's reminding us of reality. It's not that she couldn't do these things before. It's that I think a lot of our lives are on automatic pilot. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know about you, but I, I would think in, like in my marriage, there's things that my wife does, she just does them. In fact, I've nicknamed her at times the laundry fairy because, <laughs> you know, I don't see the laundry getting done, but my clothes seem to be folded in my drawer. You know, I mean, and some people are thinking, oh, Dave, you're such an old chauvinistic kind of kind of guy. I, I don't know. She she doesn't clean the car like I do or, you know, whatever else it mm-hmm. might be. We never really talked about those roles, but she has all these things that she does to make life what it is. And I have all these things that I do to make life what it is. And I'm not sure... Sometimes we're even aware of them mm-hmm. until one of us isn't around yeah. for a little bit. You know, I mean, simple things like I, I love bringing in the wood for the fireplaces. Mm-hmm. And I'll, I, 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 you know, I like 31 bags. My daughter sells them. So I'll use that to bring the wood in and have a little sled and I'll pull it behind the sled and I'll, I'll bring it and I'll bring it in the house. You know, when I'm not doing that and it goes, well, where do I, okay, I got to get the wood. Well, you don't have to get it when I'm home. Because I'm having it, I'm putting it there, you don't even think about it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it, it might be a good exercise for couples to just pause for an evening, uh, for a moment in an evening, and look at each other and thank each other for what they actually do and start talking about, it because just get an appreciation for oh, yeah. what your spouse does, because I think we can take that for granted so easily. And you are right. Two things that I got when you were talking. Number one, you can take your spouse for granted a little bit. Mm-hmm. And not really appreciate really their their heart, their desire, their ability, because you're squelching it all by what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And and correct me if I'm wrong, and I'm over exaggerating as I'm saying it, but it's to make a point. And and uh, secondly, likewise with friends, you know, it's it, the, the idea that someone would feel, um, you know, like oh man, you know, I, other people have to do this for me. The the truth is, other people are honored to do it for you. Mm-hmm. 
And and you don't know that till you go through this. Yep. I mean, there's no way to know that, really, because if you were healthy, people wouldn't be coming over doing that. Mm-hmm. Well, and I look back you know, as as I've seen people in need. I love to help people when they're in need, and that role has been reversed. And you know, sometimes it's hard to be the recipient because it's you know, humans are very prideful. Yep. You know, we don't want to admit that we need help, and you know. I need a lot of help in just the physical state that I'm in because if I continue to force myself to do some of the stuff, I'll injure myself even yep. worse. And Well, I think there's other lessons here that might be very interesting too because indeed we can be prideful where we don't want someone's help. But when we're able to do it ourselves, we really should mm-hmm. because there are other people that need help and you don't want to have all the resources coming where they're not needed. Yeah. Because, you know, resources are resources. It's 100%. So, um, you know, friends, family, the body of Christ. I think when somebody needs help, it's amazing how they rally Mm -hmm. and go to help them. And unfortunately, it's the crises in life that get the glasses on so you can see clearly. Yeah. You can see a lot of things clearly. I, you know, we're we're going to, uh, in a moment, take a break and come back for the second half of the program i would love to ask you what are you seeing more clearly now that you've had two chemo treatments three uh, i'm on my third in fact i've got a little pack on my side that's delivering the tail end of uh, my chemo okay so you're, you're on you're on your third one what, what is it that you're seeing clearly more clearly now or that you was there before but you just, it just wasn't as clear. And this is uh, Younger Older, brought to you by Relate365.com. And you can go there and download plenty of programs on the studios on Nicolay Bible Institute campus. We'll be back in a moment. Welcome back to Younger Older with Nate and Dave. Normally with Jason and Dave, but Nate's in today. And Nate is somebody we're going through talking to him after he gets chemotherapy treatments. He's a guy that loves God, has a family. And at a very young age, in his 30s, found out that he has cancer. And so he's been kind enough to let us kind of journal what he's going through in hopes of of helping people who are going to struggle with this in the future. Um, You know, we were talking about in the last half, I was talking about crises like this, if I could use it a crisis or a bumps in the road, whatever we want to call it, uh, cause us to look through different glasses at things, looking at uh, your... Your wife differently, for example. Now she's out there splitting wood and moving wood or, um, and chopping up you know, cows and stuff that you used to do. Uh, so, and, and you're looking at her and you're proud of her. Mm-hmm. And you're thinking, you know what? You'd never get a chance to see that side of her if you didn't go through this. So you're looking at it through a different lens in a way. It gives you a different appreciation for her. It, uh, your friends, you know, you said, well, you know what? They step up and they do different appreciation for them the question i would have is were they any different before this i don't think any of them were any different it's they now have an opportunity to step up and i think everybody has that inside of them you know myself when i've had friends go through you know different you know crises or you know bumps in the road you know willing to step up because you know us as human beings you know whether you're a Christian or not, most human beings, we don't like to see other people suffer. Right. We want to help them as best as we can. And it's, I think it's a natural reaction. And 
you know, as believers, you know, it's the body of Christ at work. And you have somebody that's good at doing one thing, they're able to come in and help. And it's, uh, it's amazing to see that, you know, you know, simple stuff like people enjoy doing laundry to help my wife out. You know, people stepped up, you know, making us meals and, it allows, you know, Jenna to spend more time, you know, with the kids right. and doing that stuff and then kind of filling in the roles that I would do. And, you know, I hope one day to be able to get back to doing some of the stuff, but it could be a reality that I may never be able to get back to that. Right. And it's a, you know, it's a struggle that, you know, will always be there. Yeah. But you know, I rest assured that, you know, there's hope in God in whatever that circumstances, whether it's I'm completely debilitated or completely healed. Yeah. Because as Paul said, it would be, you know, the worst is, I wouldn't really call it the worst uh, for me per se, but, you know, if I die, you know, I, to be absent from the body is to be present with God. Right. And, you know, there's a lot of rejoicing with that. Now there's the pain and suffering that happens on earth from, you know, your loved ones, but there's that hope that, I'm going to be with Christ regardless of whatever outcome is because death is certain. Yes. And it's a lot clearer now because it's a, you know, I've got something in front of my face that could take my life. It may not, but it could. That was never there before. Right. And so you're not, you're not pushing off the idea that you need to be prepared for it. Mm-hmm. You know, Nate, sometimes I think when I'm talking to somebody who has an issue, I don't care what it might be. Um, maybe, you know, they got in an accident and, and they're in a wheelchair right now and they may never walk again. Um, maybe they, they lost a loved one to, you know, a disease or to an accident or to some tragedy. Or like yourself, you're in the middle of, of fighting a cancerous uh, disease in your, your body in several places. And do people ever, when they're around you, do you think they wonder what to say? They don't want to necessarily talk about the cancer and they don't want to talk about the realities that you're going through because they don't want to bother you. And they're trying to think of what do I talk to Nate about? And it's like the elephant in the room. Mm-hmm. You ever feel that way when you're with somebody? Uh, to a certain degree. Okay. It's, there's, I think that people want to talk about it, but they don't know how. Right. And uh, to be honest, it two years ago, if I would have known somebody going through this, I would say, uh, how do you talk about this? Right. And now that I'm experiencing it, it's you know, it's stuff that's always on my mind. And so how do we talk to you about it? How, how If somebody comes, they're your friend, do you want them to say anything or do you want them to pretend like, hey, how are the Oreos doing today? Or You know what I mean? Do you want to just – you and I have had conversations about politics and about mm-hmm. and about your cancer and about your kids and about – I mean yeah. – it, it's pretty normal to talk about anything still with you, mm-hmm. and and there's no limits as far as I'm concerned. No, it's it's good to talk about that stuff. It's from my standpoint, it helps me process more because um, there, there's a lot of difficult stuff that you know I am facing. It's it, the fact I may never see my kids grow up, or I may be able to see them grow up. It's right. a huge unknown, and you know what parent wants to face the reality of not seeing their, you know, their three kids grow up or, you know, the fact, you know, switching into their shoes, them growing up without their father. Right. Yeah. And just 
talking through and working through that. You know, as a believer, I know it, God can fill those shoes far better than I can. And, and has a plan already to oh, yeah. do that, either with you or without you. I yep. mean, you know what I'm, I, I think that's interesting is I think through the years I have found that people either focus too much on one thing. Mm-hmm. Like if they're around you right now, you have cancer. In fact, while we're doing the program, you're getting treatments, you know, um, that are kind of on the sly. You had to show me what it was. So I, <laughs> I, I, I didn't even know what was going on. But they either just focus on that. So whenever they see you, they just go numb in their own brain because they're trying to figure out, man, he's got cancer. What do you talk to a guy with cancer about? Well, I think you need to not avoid anything, but be normal. Yeah. I think you need to ask yourself a question. How do I be normal around Nate and his wife and his kids? When we came over to watch your kids, I mean, you had to go, you had a, a time where you had to run in and my wife and I came over to watch your kids. We were normal with them. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we didn't treat them differently than if you were, you know, 100% well or not well and, and read books to them and did the different things that we would do with any kids. Uh, with you, I mean, we've talked politics. We've talked, yeah. we've talked, but then I'll, we'll switch right into how's the chemo going? How's this? How's mm-hmm. that? Is that the best route for a person that's in your position? Or do you want people to avoid the question? For me, it's, that's great. But I think each person is probably different. And I think it depends on where they're at mentally processing. And, you know, some people it's from what I can gather in my you know, limited understanding of people in a way is how they're processing death. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, when you break everything down, whether it's cancer, talking about, you know, end of life stuff, I think it's very difficult for people to come to grips and deal with death. Right. You know, it's a, it's one of those absolutes. Everybody's going to die. Yeah. It's just, we don't know when, how, you know, in my case, I may know how, but I just don't know when. Yeah. Well, perhaps people need to make it more of a normal conversation Mm -hmm. without somebody being sick. Uh, And I'm fine basically discussing anything because in going through, you know, this radio program, you know, I want to help somebody right. going through this because, you know, I, I'm in a very unique position of, you know, I've got that hope in Christ and you know, I keep that focus. Right. You know, once that focus drifts elsewhere, that's where problems come. Yep. Um, you know, on Monday when I was in the, went in by ambulance to the hospital and you know, that's when you watch, you know, my kids. Yeah, you know, it's that's when I found out I had you know some more tumors and yeah you know, that was that was a you know, kind of a shocking blow and you know I talked to my dad and uh, you know his words were you know it's stay focused on the known you know God stay right. focused on Him absolutely and everything will come you know into place and you know it's uh, as positive as I am you know I do struggle right and you know one of the the things that my dad said, and it's it's going to stick with me for a very you know long time, is uh, you know my grandfather for you know the longest time was my dad's hero, and my dad told me on Monday, you know Nate, right now you are my hero, and it, being you know I'm his son, you know it's very hard to process hearing your father call you your hero. Yeah, you know what? There's there's and, a lot of eyes on you, Nate. And it's not to make you um, elevated or, or anything else. There's eyes because people wonder, 
how do you do this? People who aren't in your situation are wondering, how do you process what you're going through? How do you do it successfully? And that's why I'm so appreciative of you coming on the show. What, what's, what you said in a way, we were talking about looking through new lenses. And what I understood um, years ago is that it's really hard to focus on two objects at once. Yeah. So if you try and do that, and I would challenge any listeners to try and do that, try and focus on two objects at once, you'll be blurred vision and you won't see either of them. Mm-hmm. So there's people that are focusing on the idea that they have cancer and they might miss their kids and they might not, you know, this kind of thing. And they're trying to focus on God and his sustaining grace and power. And they're wondering why life is blurry at that point. Mm-hmm. You really need to focus on who God is. You need to focus on that fact. And, and what happens is because God loves you and because there's a plan and because God is the one who ultimately, ultimately decides everybody's time when they're out of here. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad I don't have that job. I mean, that's, that's his job, and he decides it. He will prepare you. I promise you this. He will prepare you. He will prepare your wife. He will prepare your children if, and there's a big if in there, if you want to be. Mm-hmm. And I'm, if, as the people that, that are listening to this need to realize, if you want to be prepared for the certainties of life, you need to put yourself in a position where you can see God clearly. Absolutely. If you don't do that, then you're not going to be prepared. And there's nothing that anybody can do to help you be prepared. Uh, I had a young guy come to me once, and we might have talked about this before, but he came to me and he was all upset because he was, he was saying, you know what, I don't think I could ever uh, live you know, in, if my dad dies. I mean, I, I don't know how I'm going to go on. And I said, really, is he sick? He said, no. I paused for a second. I said, so he's not sick? There's no reason for you to think he's going to die today? No. I said, boy, I appreciate the fact that you're thinking ahead. But here's what I know about God. God gives us grace for the moment. Mm-hmm. Your dad may not be dying today, so you don't have the peace that comes from God today. He hasn't prepared you for that, and the thought of it drives you crazy. Because there's no possible way you're ready for it at this point. Now, there's two things on the end of this that I have to say. Number one is, if you really love God, listen to God, and, and really focus on him, he will prepare you for these moments. But if you've been ignoring him and the moments come anyway, there's very little you can do at that moment because you haven't been prepared for that. Mm-hmm. The best time to prepare for emergencies in life or circumstances or adverse, or whatever you want to call it, the, is, is when you're right now. Mm-hmm. You know, right now, whatever state you're in now, now is the time to call on the name of the Lord. Not, not to go and say, well, one day when I get diagnosed with cancer, then I'll take life seriously. When I get old, you know, then I'll have to think about my eternal destiny and my, really, who says you're going to get old? You know, that may not happen. So I've appreciated spending time with you, Nate. We're going we're gonna to do another uh, program here, and if anyone wants to get this one or past programs, go to Relate365.com, and you can download those programs. And we'll look forward to, to having guests with us on another episode. See you next time on Younger and Older. 
Have a question or comment for the younger, older team? Email us at info at relate365.com. Or if you're looking for more information and want to see our resources, check out relate365.com. Thank you.